I want to uh, draw your attention to a couple of things. One is that in the uh, Connection Center, you might find some cards like this. On this card is a description of who we are as a church and a little message about how one might uh, come to Jesus Christ. Two brothers over here, Joseph and Nicholas, have put these together for us and made it available for us to take and to talk to people about Jesus. And if you want to use these cards to do so, you can. And uh, I just wanted to make people aware that they're there. And so thank you, Joseph and Nicholas, for doing that. Appreciate it. And uh, maybe in the future we'll do even more uh, with those cards than what we're doing by just announcing it this morning. Also wanted you to be aware that 301, Becoming a Disciple, is happening immediately after service today. And for those of you who may not have known it, there is a Super Sunday today. It's been a long time since we've had a Super Sunday. This is almost exclusive for the second service because the first service, of course, probably all gone home. They're probably out at some restaurant paying high dollars for food that uh, you're going to get for free. So we would love to have you stay this afternoon for Super Sunday. Go downstairs. There are a bunch of people in the kitchen right now preparing a meal. We'd love to have you stay and eat that meal. And then those who are going to 301, you can just go uh, into the fireside room. We'll probably get in there around 1 or 1.15. I'll make sure that it's announced and uh, that you know when it's time for you to go in there. If you haven't told me that you're coming, we certainly still would love to have you come. I probably wouldn't have enough... um, do a tanks for everybody, but I'm sure there are some couples that could share one and we'll get out, we'll get by just fine. So uh, if you'd like to come to 301 this afternoon, uh, we'd love to have you do so. It's just, it's a class that talks about our, about discipleship in our church and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, if you want to know more about that, then we'd love to have you there for sure. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles, please. There are a couple of other passages that talk very specifically about what we're going to be discussing this morning. We're going to be talking about what it means to build each other up in Christ. And here at the beginning, we're going to read this passage that talks really about God blessing the church with certain people who help them build up the church in Jesus Christ, build up the body of Christ. There are a couple of other passages that do this as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 does this. It talks specifically about apostles and prophets and those who are gifted in certain ways to bless the body of Christ. And so I'm, I encourage you to turn to, to 1 Corinthians 12, 28 at some point, not right now. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 also does the same kind of thing, talks about leadership within the body of Christ, about how people are gifted even with the gift of leadership. And so I encourage you to read Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 as well, because this is, these are powerful statements about God blessing the church with those who are given the gift of leadership. But we're going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, because I think this is the passage that is most clear on this subject. It's also one of my favorite passages. I've shared with you before how this is the passage that I preached in my very first sermon. First sermon I ever preached, I was about, I was probably 19 years old. I might have been 18, 18 or 19, preached on a Sunday night at the Church of Christ in Newburgh, Oregon. I went to the preacher and I said, I'd really like to preach. I've never preached before. I'd like to preach. And, you know, can I preach on a Sunday night? And he said, sure. So I took into the pulpit with me 14 pages of notes. And the sermon lasted about seven minutes. I don't know how I got through 14 pages of notes in seven minutes. I'm thinking it was pathetic. That's how. 
And uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is a great passage. I've loved it ever since. I, I, I told you before, the first commentary that I ever got was a commentary on the book of Ephesians that Robin gave to me. We were dating at the time, so when she found out that I was going to be preaching on this subject on that Sunday night, she went and bought me for my birthday, I think it was, maybe Christmas, um, a, a commentary on Ephesians so that I would be well prepared. And I, of course, I was very well prepared. And, um, and inscribed in that commentary is a note from her to me, you know, praying for me and my sermon that was coming up and that kind of thing. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a great story? I could tell you more, but we won't. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and then we'll make some comments about this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray together. God, we pray that today, uh, as we go through this passage of Scripture, that you will teach us and draw us close to your heart. Father, we pray that you would use this passage to build us up. Help us, God, in the end, to be closer to you than we were in the beginning. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through, like you can, you've got your outline in front of you. You can see that there's, there's 10 statements there with 10, or not 10, but several blanks to be filled out. And I want to fill these out as we go. We're going to, there's, the lesson's going to fall in two major divisions. We're going to fill out the first side, and then we're going to flip over to the back side and go in a completely different direction in one sense, although it's really the same. But this first part just tears apart Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and, and really gets at the, the elements that comprise this teaching about the building up of the body. There are certain aspects to what the roles are that the people have who are responsible for building up the body of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers have been given to the church so that the church will in fact be built up they have a role to play and especially in these first few i want to show you what that role is and then what we're going to see is that we all have a significant role here so what are these aspects well the first one has to do and here you go filling in the blanks with equipping and preparing Equipping and preparing. These people are here, these leaders who've been blessed and given to the church. They are gifted to us so that we can be equipped and prepared. And, and that means that there's training involved. The training may come in different forms. It could be formal. It could be teaching. Most of the time, I think the training occurs just in living life together. We come alongside one another. and We build relationships with each other. In the course of building relationships we train each other. Sometimes it is formal. We have Bible classes. 
There's preaching and teaching that goes on here every Sunday. The Lord's Supper is participated in. We worship together and even worship and the leadership of worship, like what Wayne does or Michael does, is instructive and builds us up in Christ. Today we have 301 going on uh, in this room as I've described already. And that's just a formal way of encouraging and blessing and building up. There's teaching that will take place during that session. During the week we have life groups and service opportunities, Bible classes that take place, ministry meetings and informal personal gatherings where people are just sitting down with one another and talking about Christ. All these things lead toward our equipping and preparing. And again, sometimes it just happens very informally. Michael and I have conversations in the church building all the time. It's not planned. I don't say, Michael, come in. Let me prepare you and train you. He doesn't say to me, Kelly, I have some training that I need to pass on to you. And we have those conversations for that reason. No, it's just life lived. And you know people in this room or people in your experience in life that you look at and you say, that person was for me a mentor. And a trainer, somebody who brought me along, they equipped me, they prepared me, and helped me become the person in Christ that I am. And God has given us special people in the church who have that role. So equipping and preparing is a significant aspect to this role that they carry out. Number two. The second here has to do with the basic purpose of preparation. It is for service. It's for service. We are given these special people who bless our lives so that we can, in fact, become better servants ourselves. One way to say this is that leaders serve others so that these others can better serve. And so why are you the servant you are? Well, somebody, somebody served you. They brought you along. They helped train you. And now there's some sense in which it's your responsibility to train somebody else. You're called to the spiritual discipline of service. And leaders have the responsibility of helping you to become a better disciplined service servant. If leaders don't prepare you, that's a problem. Or if you don't take up the opportunity that's given to you to serve, that's a problem. If you're unwilling to be prepared, that's a problem. And the reason it's a problem is because in this process of the Spirit gifting people, to serve in the church, God wants to work through the Spirit to raise you up in Him. That's the Spirit's goal. The Spirit wants you, God's Holy Spirit wants you to grow in Him. Which means that you have a responsibility, don't you? To allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, for the Spirit to use leaders who might take you down a path of growth and understanding. We need to be available to that. We need to be open. And, and here, here's unfortunately a problem. How many of you have ever said, maybe even said to somebody, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I can't do that. Here, here's an opportunity. Uh, you know, this is a way in which you could serve Christ. This is a way in which you could serve the church. And we said, you know what? I'm just too busy. Now, there's sometimes when saying I'm too busy is totally legitimate. Because sometimes we are. Sometimes we're just too busy, and I get that. But you know, and I know, that sometimes the excuse of busyness is an excuse. Sometimes the statement, I'm too busy, is not so much a reflection on 
how few moments, minutes, hours you have left in the day, sometimes it's simply a reflection of where you're at with respect to your faith walk. Honestly, isn't that the case? Aren't there times when you recognize that you're making a choice and you're saying this for the moment is more important to me than the service opportunity that I have that's being presented to me. Sometimes that's the case. And when it is, I think it's the leader's job, it's the leader's role partially to say to you, hey, I hope you take opportunity to serve Jesus in this way right now. Don't put this one off. Here's an opportunity set before you and God through his spirit has set it before you and you need to seize this opportunity. And at that point, our hearts need to be open and we need to seize that opportunity for sure. The third thing, a preliminary kind of purpose here, building up the body. The image here is one of construction, of growing. It's a growing kind of image. The body is not to sit stagnant in the same way that a baby isn't designed to stay a baby. The body is dynamic, moving forward, transcending the status quo. You become a different person than you are, and you need to be growing in Christ. And if you're not, then I really encourage you to take steps to do so. You could go to 301 today. And it will probably help you to grow in Christ if you don't know all of that stuff. There are other ways. We're talking right now in, all over our church, it seems like, about spiritual disciplines. And so th- there's a men's class on spiritual disciplines going on on Sunday morning. And there's a class in here talking about, Sunday, uh, about spiritual disciplines. There's a Thursday morning ladies class that's about to start talking about spiritual disciplines. The youth that Dustin is leading, they're talking about spiritual disciplines. All these things are opportunities presented to us in order for us to grow. And we need to seize those opportunities because God is trying to build up the body. He wants us to grow. The fourth thing is that we're all to reach unity of the faith. And of course, there's two aspects here. The first one is the unity that is to be ours in the body of Christ. God calls us to a certain kind of unity, a oneness in Him. He doesn't call us to uniformity. We don't have to all wear exactly the same clothes. We don't have to have the same hairstyles. We don't have to carry the same translation of our Bibles. There are some things that we can actually believe differently from someone else. We don't have to look and talk and walk exactly alike, but in the midst of being one body, we're to be unified. And so God calls us to that, and these people who are leading in the body of Christ and called to do so, so want to build up the body of Christ in terms of its unity. And then, of course, this unity is to be one of the faith. So that we do have these things that we agree on and say, these are absolutely who we are in Christ. And we have 12 of them on a statement of belief you could find in the Connection Center where we say these are non-negotiables for us. This is exactly where we stand in Jesus. And our leaders, of course, have a responsibility to show us those things and take us down a path of understanding with respect to this unity of the faith. And so there's this dynamic, active element of actually being unified in Christ, and then there's this element of understanding of faith and commitment that is ours as we together are growing within him. The fifth thing is that all are to reach knowledge of the Son of God. 
It's not surprising that the Spirit would move leaders to take us in the direction of knowledge of Christ. We looked during the fall at one point at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, where Paul prays for believers. He says, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he specifically says, so that you might know him better. And so this isn't just knowledge about the Son of God. This is knowledge in relationship with the Son of God, so that you actually know him better. And the Spirit gives us this wisdom of revelation. Those in our church who are leading need to take us down that path of understanding and a closer walk with Christ to know him better. The sixth thing is that we're all to reach spiritual maturity. The word here, mature, is the same word that means perfection or completeness in him. There's a wholeness to our faith that we're supposed to reach. The Spirit doesn't want us just going halfway when it comes to our faith in Christ. He wants us to go the whole way. And until then, we're simply incomplete. There's an immaturity that's present if we're not moving toward maturity. And then he goes on in the seventh thing to describe specifically what maturity in Christ looks like. And this is a challenge, I'll say. In fact, it's, it's an incredible challenge to me. Because in my life, there's so many times when I feel like I don't measure up to number seven here. The seventh is that we're all to reach the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And there's a certain fullness or maturity or completeness as we possess the character of Christ that God desires for us to reach. And those who are leading in our church call us to move toward that kind of maturity. Well, the passage up until now has definitely moved us in a certain direction. There are leaders in the church who are intended by God, gifted by God, to take us down this path. I think also at this point that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be guided, to be led, to listen, to be open, to be ready to move, ready to become more mature in Christ. If this morning you're thinking to yourself, boy, you know what, I just want to get out of here. I'm so tired of being here already this morning. Let me just get out of here. I've heard this guy's voice before. It's beginning to drone on my ears. I get that. I've heard preaching. I've listened to people teach before. But do you know that you have a responsibility? In the same way that I have a responsibility to speak God's word, you actually have a responsibility to hear it. And I mean that your heart and your life and your mind needs to hear it. And of course, not just from me, but from anybody who's put in a position of taking others down a path of growth in Christ. We have that responsibility to be open and willing to go there with them, to hear some things that might take us deeper and toward, toward what God wants us to be. So I, I encourage you to keep listening and to grow in that way. Don't settle, don't stop growing, keep moving forward. The eighth thing, this is what I might call doctrinal stability. And it's communicated in verse 14. And it's interesting, uh, there's a certain level of doctrinal stability that all of us need to reach in Christ. Not moved, it says, by the waves, the winds, 
of teaching that would come along, false teachers who would take us down a path that's just not right. We need to be stable at some point in our doctrine. How are we going to get there? What's going to produce this in us? Well, it's going to come about as hopefully leaders are leading in the direction they should, taking us down that path. And so we need to listen and pray and grow with them. But, of course, the best place is from Scripture. And so if you think to yourself, you know, I don't really know what these things are that are going to make me doctrinally stable. I'll tell you where to find them right now, and that is in the first three chapters of the book we're looking at. This passage, when it says this, makes this claim about doctrinal stability or not being tossed with the waves of doctrine. The first three chapters describe what the doctrine is that is going to keep you there and make you unmoved establishing where you should be. And so I encourage you, maybe this afternoon, tomorrow, read Ephesians chapters 1, 2, 3, and really 3 and a half, down through verse 10 of chapter 4, and you're going to see the kind of doctrine that we need to hold on to when we're not being tossed here and there by every wave and wind of doctrine. The ninth thing. The ninth, ninth aspect of our growth is, which is, and is partially in the hands of our leaders, but it ultimately takes its power and impulse from Christ in verse 16. Notice that this is not just God gifting the church with certain people who are going to bless us and take us down a path. It's driven by Christ. We grow in Christ. It's Christ who draws out of us maturity and and makes us the persons that we need to be. And so cling to Christ, make Christ the center, and growth is going to take place in your life. Number 10. The 10th aspect of our growth is that it's corporate, with each part doing its work. Our leaders may have specific functions, but the fact is we all have roles to play. Each part is to do its work. If you look at verses 15 and 16 in our text, it specifically says that every part is a supporting ligament It's some kind of joint. Have you ever thought of yourself as being a ligament? Have you ever looked at the picture of a ligament? This week I got online and I I looked at some ligaments, some pictures of ligaments on the internet. Ligaments are not attractive. They are not beautiful. They are functional. Now, when I look at you, I'm not thinking that you all look like ligaments. But I am thinking that you're supposed to be functional. You're not all joints. Sometimes you may rub each other the wrong way. But you're not all joints. Joints aren't pretty either. But joints are functional. If a joint doesn't function the way it's supposed to, what happens Pain, or maybe horrible lack of mobility. You can't function the way you're supposed to. Try running when your legs are absolutely stiff. It doesn't work. God wants something different for the church. And he says that you are a supporting ligament and a joint that allows the church the way to work the way that it should. 
our, our leaders are given the responsibility of helping to build us each up that we can do what we're supposed to do. Okay, if you haven't already flipped over to the other side, please do. There's a sense in which the top verses are not really the focus that I wanted to, to be centered on today. Because I think in many ways the crux of our passage and the whole notion of building each other up is found in what I'm calling here, for lack of better terminology, the basic building up kind of attitude that needs to be present in all of us. And you're going to find it in verses 15 and 16. Look at verse 15. And if you don't have your Bible open, it's at the top of the page on the other side. Look at verse 16. Here, speaking the truth in love and growing and building ourselves up in love becomes a specific contrast to those who would speak to us in deceitful scheming. There are those who are schemers who want to take somebody else down a path. And then there are those who are contributing something wonderful and positive to the life of another. And those who speak in this second way speak the truth in love. Now right now as I say that, I'm guessing that in every one of your lives, you have somebody who speaks to you the truth in love. And maybe they're sitting in this room. You know, maybe if you're sitting over here, you look across and you see the one who speaks to you the truth in love. They're sitting over here. I don't know. But most likely there is somebody who speaks to you the truth in love. And the effect of them speaking to you like that is not to your detriment. Like you don't, when someone speaks to you the truth in love, you don't think to yourself, man, I wish they never talked to me. I, wish, I hope they never talk to me again. Instead, you say things like, God, thank you for that person. Thank you for the blessing that they have been to me. Thank you for the way in which they've nurtured me. Thank you for the way in which they've taught me. Thank you for the way in which they've spoken the truth to me when I really needed to hear it and they built me up in the process. You probably have somebody like that in your life. And that's exactly what Paul says we're supposed to do for each other. We build each other up like that. And so our treatment of each other is to be characterized by love. And there's simply no room here for distrust. There's no room for disunity, a negative attitude toward others, lack of concern for others, speaking harshly to others. These don't contribute to the growth of the body. You know all those studies that they've done with plants where people speak to plants and they grow better? I think actually if you yell at the plant, it still grows. <laughs> but we don't. We don't do so well when somebody is yelling at us in a negative way. 
We don't do so well when someone talks to us harshly. We don't do so well when people are being mean and talking that way to us. It's not constructive. Look at this passage that I've typed out for you here from Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. We need to speak to each other in wholesome, upbuilding ways. That's what God longs for us to do. Speak the truth, but do so in love, with grace. Tell me the plain truth, but do so in ways that build up. And our attitude of love in the course of speaking to each other like that is going to see us all growing together to become what God wants us to be. Now, what's interesting is the world has seen this and they know the principle. I'm going to show a video in just a moment here. Let me set this up for you. Liz Wiseman is a business consultant. She went to Stanford, did a lot of work at Stanford, um, does a lot of work in the business world, has done very well for herself in the business world. And she did a study while she was at Stanford on the kind of principles that make a person successful in helping others come along. And she talks here just briefly. You'll, you'll hear this language very quickly. She talks about those who are diminishers, and those who are multipliers. Some people diminish life in others. Some people multiply life in others. And she's going to talk about diminishers and multipliers. And I just want you to think about the way that you yourself talk to people and your relationship to others in terms of building them up. Diminishers and I multipliers. I a few of you. What is it that your multiplier well, actually, you know what? Let's start with the diminisher side. What did your diminisher do? And I'm going to ask you to just shout it out. They criticize. They they belittle. They they micromanage. They they didn't acknowledge. They they wasted time. They did nothing but email. They manipulated. Okay, those are different. Um, I heard those different. They they put me in a box. They. They took control. They, they punted. They, they punished. Okay. And what percentage of your capability did they get? Now we can't calculate the average across this group. We actually did a survey, but you know what? Shout out a few numbers. They, uh, how Ten. Zero. Ooh. Okay. This isn't a contest to the bottom. Um, <laughs> Thirty-five. And we actually did survey this. I'll show you what we found in our research and also in this poll. What did they believe to be true? Let me ask you to think about your multiplier. What did your multiplier do? They, they encouraged, they, they empowered, they, they valued, they challenged. I want you to be as behaviorally specific with me as possible. They, they gave you freedom. They, they trusted, they asked questions, they, they defined a goal, they gave you confidence, they, they inspired, they taught. What did they believe to be true? What assumption did they hold about you and about your capability? They believed that you were smart. 
relationship, what percentage of your capability did your multiplier get? 95. 110, a rebel number. I love that. On a scale of 0 to 100, 110. We found that in our research. It was fascinating. Do you see the point? Like the, the affirmations of people around you builds them up. It takes them to a wonderful place. They get better. People are better people around you when you speak to them in those encouraging, upbuilding kind of ways. And when you don't, when you serve the role of a diminisher, exactly the, ha- the opposite happens. It was interesting, you know, recently Heather Haywood has started a publication, Inspiring News, Views, and Thoughts from the Pews. I encourage you to send things to Heather. And in the process, build others up because you're, in, you're sharing inspiring, encouraging, good things that can be printed and taken out and distributed among our church. But even if you don't do that, we have the responsibility of being this kind of person to others, encouraging them with the words that we share and building people up in the body of Christ. There's a couple of blanks at the bottom. I just want you to ask yourself a question. Are you a diminisher or are you a multiplier? in your relationships with other people. God wants us to build up the body of Christ. Multipliers do that well.